You're listening to the Sermon Podcast for the Gate Church in Lethbridge, Alberta. For more information, to contact us, or to support this ministry, please visit thegate.org. Well, it's been mentioned already, but I'm going to say it again. It's the first Sunday of Advent, and I think that's exciting. Yeah. That's very exciting, and it's exciting that, again, once again, the church is all decorated for Christmas, and I want, Chantel, I want to thank Chantel, because she organizes this every year, and it looks amazing. And I also want to thank you for the excellent snacks that you brought, because like pastors uh, Greg and Blair and I and Chantel, we decorated, and, and like it wouldn't be Christmas decorating without snacks, so thank you. Those were amazing cookies. Homemade, homemade cookies, just for us to decorate with, so wow. All right, so today we are starting a, we're going to be taking a break from our series in Luke, although the Christmas story is in Luke, but that's okay. We're going to be start, taking a break from the series of Luke, and we're going to be starting a short series from now till Christmas, obviously, that is called Given to Us, all right, and it's based on the names that Isaiah prophetically gives to the coming Messiah in Isaiah 9, verse 6. And he prophesied that God would come to earth as a human baby and be king forever. And I know that this verse was already read, but I want to read it again. Uh, So Isaiah 9, verse 6, it reads, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. This is the word of the Lord. The first name in that verse is Wonderful Counselor, and that's what I want to talk about today. In some Bible translations, I'm not sure what translation you guys use on your own, but some of them, like the King James and the New King James, there's a comma between the the two words. So it's wonderful, comma, counselor. All right. So it doesn't really change the meaning, I'll be honest with you. You know, it's still, there's still really good stuff in there. It doesn't matter how you, you slice it up or whatever. But what it does do, for me at least, what I like about this, is that it gives us an opportunity to look at each word individually, as well as together. And so the word wonderful, here's a Hebrew lesson, is translated from a Hebrew word which definition includes uh, a miracle, something extraordinary, something that is hard to fathom or understand. And so, you know, when, when when we say that, like, that hot dog was wonderful, we might be misusing that. Because... Hot dogs are never miracles. It's like the leftovers. So, anyways, <laughs> the word counselor comes from a Hebrew word, a different Hebrew word, that means to advise, to give counsel, or to give wisdom. So that kind of makes sense. And therefore, I've, titled, I've entitled this sermon, The Wonder and the Wisdom of Christmas. And the wonder of Christmas, this should come as no surprise to you, is Jesus, <laughs> the wonderful counselor given to us. And the wisdom of Christmas is God giving us his son and Jesus being God's wisdom personified. I remember when I was little, 
and, and maybe you grew up like this too, but Christmas just seemed like a very magical time. Who, who would agree with me there? Like there was just like that, you know, kind of, I don't know, that, that warmth about Christmas. And so I grew up in a, a small town, or close to a small town on a farm called Linden, and the Christmas Eve church service was a big deal. And I looked forward to it because it was a good time. We usually got a candy bag at the end. But there was singing, uh, there was the nativity play acted out, and as I remember, you know, when I was little, I got to, to wear my dad's bathrobe and have a towel strapped to my head, and I was in this, like, huge herd of shepherds. You know, there's, like, 15 of us, because all the kids had to be involved. And then there was, like, the shepherd of the shepherds, you know, the, the Sunday school teacher was like, come here, come here, come here. And then, like, herded us all onto stage, and we were bumping into each other and stuff. And it was fun. I remember that, and it was great fun. And I remember as well, you know, the, the carol singing, right? The carol singing and how... We all, this, is, this is key in my, in my memories here. We all got to hold a real candle that was like actually lit. <laughs> and the, the church janitor hated it because there was like wax all over the floor at the end of this service because it's a whole bunch of kids holding candles. And they're like, ah! and you know, like, check this out, I can melt it faster. But I remember that, and I, I remember, you know, at the, this was kind of at the end. They handed all these candles, and we lit them all, and then all the, the, the church lights were turned off, and so it was just like the sanctuary was filled with this, like just, the, you know, that, that warm glow of candlelight. And then we all sang, you know, um, holy, or, oh man, we all sang silent night. That's the words I was going to try to say. And, you know, both in English and then in German as well. Stille Nacht, Heilige Nacht. And that's about the extent of my German. But I remember this, and it was so good. It was so good. That sense of awe and wonder really permeate my memories of those times. You know, a warm and, and that, just that, that cozy feeling of being excited about Christmas. And after the service, our family always drove around this little town of Linden, and we looked at the Christmas lights all the decorations, all the houses that were decorated. And for a town of 600 people, truly there was some, some magnificent displays. And that was amazing. I, you know, I love looking at Christmas lights. You know, I still do. And, you know, just to see the displays of lights, uh, you know, shining out in the darkness of that cold winter, winter night. And it just, again, accentuated my sense of wonder of what Christmas actually was. And then fast forward to when Shar and I were re getting ready for Christmas a few months after Nora was born, our firstborn. She was born in 2013, so quite a few years after I was a kid. And she was born in October. And so a few months later, obviously we got out the Christmas tree and we put it up and we put our lights on it and decorated and things like that. And, and I remember uh, we, we used to just take Nora and, and put a blanket underneath the tree and just kind of like slide her underneath the tree. And... Just this amazing, amazing image of, of just her like, oh, just staring up at it, like just with wide eyes. And fun fact, that was the last time she ever laid still. <laughs> she hasn't stopped moving since. <laughs> but it seems like as kids, right, and I'm sure you can agree with me, our hearts and minds were filled with this sense of, of just wonder surrounding Christmas time. Yay! That's right. 
for myself, the memories were always, I don't know, just like it, it's always tied in the, into that, that warm kind of dimly lit room with a Christmas tree in it. And that, that, that's Christmas for me. That's childhood Christmas. But I think as we get older, it's harder to capture that warm glow. At least for me personally, I'll be honest with you. It seems like there, there's just so much other stuff that gets in the way. There's other stuff to think about. You know, the money, the gifts we have to buy, the shopping that needs to get done, the work that needs to get done before we can enjoy Christmas. And then more recently, you know, words like lockdown and restrictions. And it's hard. It's hard to capture that wonder again. But what I want to do today is give our minds a refocusing of what the wonder of Christmas is all about. And although the magic and wonder of Christmas isn't just found in that, that warm, cozy feeling we felt as kids, we need to capture, recapture the deeper meaning of how wonderful Christmas really is. And so the wonder, the miracle that is wrapped up in Christmas is Jesus, the Son of God given to us. So I want us to, today to, to consider a few things that are, are truly wonderful in the Hebrew sense of the word, miraculous, about Jesus' birth. And so we'll start with the first true Christmas decoration, which was the star that the wise men followed to find the baby Jesus or the child Jesus. As Matthew records in Matthew 2, 1 and 2, it says, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. Now this star, or bright light in the sky, was obviously put there by God. Right? We can all agree with that. But it wasn't just randomly that it happened on that day. And I love this train of thought. God in his forethought and wisdom put the stars and planets in the sky as he was creating the heavens and earth. And we can read about that back in Genesis. And he put, the, the, put them in exactly the right spot. He placed them in the sky and then he sent them on their right paths. He set them up doing exactly what he wanted to do with them so that on the precise day and hour they would align and form this sign for the wise men to come and follow and to see and to know what's going on. It's been thought that these wise men probably or might have at least come from the city of Babylon where about 500 years previous to the birth of Jesus there would have been Israelites living in exile there. And it seems to me at least very reasonable that men you know, like Daniel that we read about in the Bible, would have left copies of their scriptures and prophecies there in Babylon. And these would have been studied by the wise men and the sages of that city. And so as years went by, the wise men of that place would find prophecies like the one that Balaam made in Numbers 24, 15 to 17. And it says, The oracle of Balaam, the son of Beor, the oracle of the man whose eyes is opened the oracle of him who hears the words of God and knows the knowledge of the Most High, who sees the vision of the Almighty falling down with his eyes uncovered. 
This is his prophecy. I, I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star shall come out of Jacob, and a scepter shall rise out of Israel. It shall crush the, crush the forehead of Moab and break down all the sons of Sheth. So these wise men, these astronomers, these men who probably gazed at the stars every night of their life, that was their job. So they knew them. They knew what the stars were doing and they recorded these things. They would have been looking for a star. And when they found the right one that God put into its place, they would have known what it would have meant and went out to seek that scepter the king of Israel. Like, honestly, I really wish I had time to go into this whole thing because it's, it's truly amazing. You know, the, the, the astronomy behind the star of Christmas is, is something worth researching, so please go home and do that. It's wonderful. <laughs> it truly is. Or consider the mystery and miracle of the conception of Jesus. All right, Mary, the mother of Jesus, a young girl who followed and found favor with God was chosen to be the mother of the Savior of the world. All right, we know this story. It's found in, in Luke chapter 1, and an angel comes and visits her and tells her in Luke 1, 30 to 38. He's calming down Mary because Mary was troubled by his appearance. Like, that's putting it mildly, I bet. All right, but, he, but the angel Gabriel says, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, well, how, how will this be since I'm a virgin? And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child will be born, will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. So I've been thinking about Mary a lot this week, actually. She has taken up a lot of my thoughts. And, I've, man, I've been truly impressed and humbled by her and her story. This, the amount of trust that she put in the Lord is truly remarkable. You know, she accepts this miracle that had been planted in her and accepts her responsibility to serve God in this amazing way. The wonder of Christmas is the prophecies that were fulfilled in the birth of Jesus. It's estimated that there was over 300 prophecies that were made that were fulfilled by Jesus in his whole lifetime. And several of them came at his, about at his birth. In Matthew 1, 22 and 23, Matthew records and clarifies that Isaiah 
7 verse 14 is fulfilled in Jesus' miraculous conception and his name. And it reads, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Matthew 2 verse 6 shows that Herod is shown confirmation that the Messiah was to be born in Bethlehem according to the prophecy of Micah 5 verse 2. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Matthew 2.15 shows how the words of Hosea 11 verse 1 were fulfilled in the time that Joseph, Mary, and Jesus were in Egypt to escape persecution and then came back to Nazareth. Out of Egypt I called my son. Matthew 2.18 recalls the prophecy of Jeremiah 31.15, writing about Herod ordering the murder of the young children of Bethlehem in hopes of killing Jesus. A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping in loud lamentation. Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be comforted because they are no more. I'd like to point out that for us to look back at the Bible now, and to see all these events, it, it, it seems perfectly clear to us that all these things came together in a, in a seemingly miraculous way. And they truly did. But I want to remind you that, that Joseph and Mary were just doing what they needed to do <laughs> to live their lives. They, they probably didn't, they really had no idea, you know, the, like they weren't keeping track of all the prophecies that they were fulfilling. They didn't have a little like checklist you know, they just traveled to Bethlehem because of a government census that, that they were commanded to take part in. I'm sure that Joseph probably didn't want to take Mary, who was very pregnant at the time, on a road trip to his hometown. But they didn't have a choice. They had to go. And Joseph, who listened and paid attention to his dreams, had no choice but to go to Egypt with his young family. I don't think he would have wanted to do this, to uproot his family once again and go off, to be, go off to Egypt, but he was a good husband, he was a good dad, and he listened to God, and they departed under the cover of night and just left for Egypt to protect his family. And then a while later, Joseph was again told in a dream, okay, pack your stuff up, go back up to Nazareth. And so they did. And all this traveling and moving around probably didn't seem very fulfilling to them, of prophecy or otherwise. And Joseph and Mary were simply doing what they needed to do to survive and to keep their family safe, which probably had more kids than just Jesus by now. And so it was like multiple family road trips over the course of a few years, not just to visit the grandparents, but to, to save their life and to move back to where it was safe. And all this to say, the wonder of Christmas is that through Joseph and Mary simply living their life and listening and obeying God, Jesus was born and was raised in a way that fulfilled prophecies spoken hundreds of years before. Jesus, our wonderful counselor, given to us ought to inspire wonder in our hearts, when we consider the events surrounding his birth. And most importantly, 
that Jesus was Emmanuel, God with us. That is truly wonderful. So let's continue to the word counselor now. As I mentioned at the beginning, the word is, uh, can be defined to, as to advise or to give counsel or to give wisdom. And the wisdom of Christmas is that Jesus, the God who created life, became Emmanuel, God with us. In John chapter 1, the Apostle John spells it out like this in verses 1 to 5, and then I'll read verse 14 as well. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth." Or as the message translation puts it, the word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. Jesus, the word that was at the beginning of time, creating and giving life, Jesus became like a man and moved into his creation to live and breathe like the rest of us. In his wisdom, God knew that we would need a savior And so he gave us his son. Paul explains it this way in Philippians 2, 6 to 11. Though he was in the form of God, Jesus did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Christ Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The beauty of Christmas is the wisdom of God. Without Jesus being given to us in the wonderful, miraculous way that he was, we would be lost and dead in our sins. Without Jesus' literal human birth, Jesus wouldn't be human, and therefore he would not be able to die on the cross in our place. And so we preach the virgin birth and we preach Christ Jesus crucified. The message translation again puts Paul's words from 1 Corinthians chapter 1, uh, 22 to 25 like this. While Jews clamor for miraculous demonstrations and Greeks go in for philosophical wisdom, we go right on proclaiming Christ, the crucified Jews treat this like an anti-miracle, and Greeks pass it off as absurd. But to us who are personally called by God himself, 
by Jew, both Jews and Greeks, Christ is God's ultimate miracle and wisdom all wrapped up in one. Human wisdom is so cheap, so impotent next to the seeming absurdity of God. Human strength can't begin to compete with God's weakness. Jesus, the wonderful counselor, gives us these words in John 14, verse 6. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. This Christmas, find hope and find life in the wonder and the wisdom of Christ. Follow Jesus because he is truth. He is wisdom. He is life. Find forgiveness for your sins. Change your path and in the miracle of new life, walk toward the Father.